You're listening to Guys on the Sideline Podcast, where you'll hear opinions, predictions, and sports takes in every direction. If you're a diehard sports fan, this is the place to be. They've never played. They have no experience. But they have plenty to say. And now, here are the guys on the sideline. Welcome on in to Guys on the Sideline, the podcast. This would be episode 132 of the fastest growing sports podcast across the fruited plain. Welcome back in. It's been a minute since we've recorded and we've got some uh, confessions and commitments that we'll be airing here for our growing audience very, very soon. Uh, but this is your host, Jeff. Down the stretch they come, Burton. And I'm joined by everybody's favorite, Chris, bringing up the rear Mumford. Hello, Chris Mumford. Jeff, how you doing? Always happy to lead from behind, as they say. <laughs> well, you, you do it well. You make it you make it look easy. <laughs> I am I'm fantastic. It's a Friday. And um, it's, as I referenced a second ago, it's been a minute since we've recorded and I'm missing the podcast, but more than the podcast, I'm missing you, Chris. Can I say that? I think you can say that. And and I'm very humbled by it. Well, you're welcome, Chris. And uh, I got to say, the last episode we recorded was the Super Bowl prop bet, the oh so popular Super Bowl prop bet 131. Uh, when was the Super Bowl, Chris? Because we're May, what is it, 12th? Yeah, I mean, I think it was, it was... Back when there were snow drifts in my driveway that were up to the windowsill. And I think we're looking at like 70, you know, close to 70 degree temperatures now. So it's a whole season ago. It's a whole season ago, indeed. And as I mentioned, we are going to commit to our audience uh, what you can expect on kind of an updated, refreshed version of Guys on the Sideline is, again, we're crazed sports fans. We're going to give you a hot takes you're going to love them. This is really, I wouldn't call it the voice of reason. I'd call it more the voice of the fan and um, the fans. But we're going to be coming to you more consistently on a regular basis. Uh, and we're going to have um, maybe shorter episodes. My dad, who I know is listening. Thanks, dad. I, I feel kind of bad because we always call him out for this. But I think it's because he's looking out for um, us. And that is, he always says, less is more. Like 20 minutes is your sweet spot. And I think, Chris, we always strive to be 20 minutes and then we go 40 minutes. So um, I will commit to be consistent. Can you commit to being brief? (laughs) Yes, I can. I'm glad that you assigned that problem specifically to me because you're not wrong. (laughs) No, you can flip it. Okay, I'll be brief. You be consistent. Is that better? (laughs) No, you had it more right the first time. I'm not offended. You know, the truth is the truth. I know, but the the my comments for those that are listening for the first time, welcome on in. Um, I take tangents and I get us off topic quite easily and quite quickly. And Chris is uh, elevates the podcast and makes it uh, listenable, if that's a word. I don't think that is a word. But um, with that said, Chris, if we're going to be brief, we can't just rattle on for the first fifteen minutes about blah 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 blah. So. You ready to get started? You ready to jump in? Let's get to it. All right, let's do it. (laughs) 
All right, Chris, um, I don't know if I should title this episode, Is the NBA Rigged? Or if I should just say, The NBA is Rigged, as in, is there a question mark at the end or not? And um, let me ask you a serious question here. How long do you think fans have been asking or wondering or thinking about the idea that the National Basketball Association is rigged? Is this a new phenomenon, a new experience, or do you think this has been happening no. for a while? I'm sure as as long as there's been sports, there have been questions about, you know, whether they're, I mean, maybe not just basketball, but we, we know that there are instances of pulling punches, right? Where does that phrase come from? From rig boxing matches, right? I think it's been with us for a long, long time. And I, I'm sure that the NBA has always been under some spotlight there. Although, I mean, I think in some ways it's a difficult charge to pin on it in some ways because clearly you can see the ball flying through the air you can see it go into the basket or not and so i think maybe the title jeff isn't is it rigged but how is it rigged or by how much right like that's what i think we have to talk about yeah interesting and i kind of got to give credit here to uh vegas insider lando who uh, we were texting earlier in the Lakers-Warriors series, and he was commenting on how bad the basketball is between the old Steph Curry and the old LeBron James, <laughs> and um, kind of how insulting it was, quite honestly. And then he basically proceeded to say, this series is going to go seven because that's what the NBA wants. I, I like, and, and it got me to thinking, this NBA playoff year, season, if you will, it's got some really good matchups. You've got Boston and Philly out east. It's kind of weird. The The road team seems to be, seems to have the upper hand, which is unusual. And the game out in the West Coast, the Lakers-Warriors, obviously this is huge for LeBron. This is kind of his final run. And they don't want a five-game series, a six-game series. I mean, they get it's a money-money series if you can get the Bay Area and the LA area all totally just dialed in to a game seven winner-take-all series. And so, um, I mean, hell, why are we at it? Why don't we make New York and Miami a seven-game series too? Don't you think? Why not? Why not? Big markets, so, right? Totally. So, Chris, t- first, let's start in the West. Tell me what you're seeing between the Lakers and the Warriors, because the Warriors are much more the future. But the Lakers jumped out to a 3-1 start. And, uh, you know, the play of Anthony Davis. You've also had some role players. Remind me their names. I've been, I've been following it. Not to, I've been following the one out east a lot more closely. Uh, but And obviously LeBron James is always a threat. But what, what are you seeing in this series? Well, I think, well, let, let's take this to the question of, if it's rigged, right? That's kind of what we're after here, right? So I, I just want to say, first of all, I'm surprised you didn't take the opportunity to use the phrase knock, knock, knocking on seven's door, because that's just, you know, that's just a great opportunity for that particular phrase. No, but I, I think, Jeff, in, in the LA series, you know, look, I think that people probably make a little too much of the NBA wants seven, so it goes seven. So this is this is a perfect entry point for me here because while I think that there I think there are various ways that the NBA as a business will put its thumb on the scales um, as will the NFL albeit probably to a lesser extent 
And I don't doubt that they do that. And so let's just let's just look down the checklist of the number of ways. Scheduling, including start times, right? With an eye toward age of players and different things. You know, that uh, there was a one game I think in this series that started so late that my wife was sitting there watching and she looked at me like this game's starting right now. I mean, it was like 8 p.m. right on the on the West Coast or something like that. And I was like, yeah. And, and she she was beside herself. Like that's that's absurd. She was saying like there's no way. You know, and, and you know, I I tried to kind of give the like company line here of well, they're athletes and they're training this and this and that. But I think in in really standing back and looking at it, I think she kind of has a point in a larger sense, right? I think they can tip the scales that way. Referee. And although I'm not sitting here saying that refs are necessarily, except for maybe some really egregious cases, and there's the example from the early 2000s of the Kings-Lakers series that's legendary. And if you're not yes. familiar with that, get on YouTube and, and just go check it out. And there's there's basically just a clip, a highlights reel of the Chris Webber Kings with um, good old white chocolate, Jason Williams. He was awesome. I don't know if you remember him. Yeah. Um, but that team was great. That Kings team was lots of fun. They were an upstart, but it was it was Kobe's uh, Lakers in those days. And it was an egregious tipping of the scales. Like tipping of the scales doesn't begin to enter into it. So point being, when they really weigh in clumsily, it looks like that. And I don't think they do that all that often. I think it does happen. But... We know that it happens, right? We we refer to it as being home jobbed a lot of the time, right? Like home teams are going to get probably more favorable calls. I think that's kind of baked into it. And I also think that the referees prior to games, they have their meetings and they probably say, we, we all know, Jeff, that any number of calls aren't made in a given game. And this the easiest example of this actually comes from the NFL, where it's often said that you could call holding on every play, right? Totally. It's just whether you choose to, whether it's it's so flagrant and obvious and egregious that you actually make the call. Well, I'm sure that the same is true in the NBA as well, and that there are certain players who do certain things that they either are going to call or not. James Harden notoriously pushes off constantly. He's a push-off artist. All he does is drive the lane, jam his forearm out there, shove off the defender, and shoot. He, he does it over and over and over again. So in trying to or thinking about tipping a game could the referees not look at that and say keep an eye on Harden tonight you know what I mean and and did, would everyone in that room understand essentially okay this is how we got to call this tonight we're going to crack down on him so Chris yes Chris, I, I think absolutely it happens absolutely it does yeah. and you know but but can it can it change a series from like one that otherwise would have been a blowout to one that that isn't I don't think that the NBA ever needed or wanted the San Antonio Spurs to be five-time champions I don't I mean I don't think that was ever good for business I don't think that they ever necessarily wanted that but they couldn't they were never going to weigh in in such a way as to prevent that if that makes sense so it's still a real sport you know and I think people who want to take it to the point where they're they're suggesting it's WWE type stuff to me obviously that's absurd but yeah do they have little ways to nudge it in different directions, yes. And do they sometimes do that more clumsily than others? Yes, absolutely. Chris, I think you're spot on. And I like the way that you frame this because, yeah, I agree. This is not like Harlem Globetrotters, <laughs> you know, throwing it yeah. where it's like, it's completely like, un, you know, just one-sided. Um, but yeah. you're exactly right. There are plays you could, I mean, for crying out loud, you could call traveling on James Harden every single possession. Absolutely. Could you not? 
Like, yep. And so do you call it? Do you not call it? What not? I think exactly how you frame it in terms of like, hey, just, you know, maybe they call it a little bit tighter. Maybe they loosen it up. They're, they're not so whistle happy. We're not going Tom Donaghy here, right? You remember the the uh, yeah. disgraced NBA official who did admit to basically being a fixer and point shaving yep. and and, yep. Thi- and things like that in terms of, you know, he was getting money. Again, he didn't throw games, but he impacted them in terms of sports lines and things like that. I need to, we're going to wrap here momentarily, but I got to say, you mentioned the Spurs. And who's the NBA commissioner today, Chris? Adam Silver? Adam Silver. Do you like him better than David Stern, yes or no? Oh, man. I don't know. I mean, I like him. I'll say I like him, personally. Adam Silver is a million times better than David Stern. You referenced the San Antonio Spurs. And I want to take you back to 2007. I was living in Phoenix at the time, and I was all over Planet Orange. Steve Nash, The Matrix, Sean Marion, standing tall and talented. Amari Stoudemire. I mean, they had Mike D'Antoni, the, the, the wonderful coach. I mean, this was a phenomenal, phenomenal team. They were in the playoffs against the Spurs. And if you recall, do you, do you remember this series at all, Robert Ori? Of course, vividly. Okay. It was an all-time great series. Absolutely. Okay, if you're not familiar, you got to go look it up because it's it's a well, it's a heartbreaker, but it's fascinating. So, in Game Four of the 2007 playoffs, in his background, the Dallas Mavericks number one seed had just been eliminated. It was LeBron James early in his career on the other side in Cleveland, and they were going to get to the finals. So, the winner of the Spurs Suns was essentially going to be crowned the winner. And in Game Four, Robert Ory. Kind of late in the game, Steve Nash is coming up, and Robert Ory, Big Big Bob, what's his name? Big Shot Bob. His nickname. Right. He he yeah, checks. Won how a, many rings? Kind of a kind he, of. He a, existed only to make threes in yes. critical moments for championship teams, and that's all he did. I mean, and he just actually, show up in those moments for the Lakers actually, for San Antonio. Yeah, I mean, actually, th- this is really good podcasting, Chris, because you referenced the Kings Lakers earlier. D- wasn't Robert Ory the one that won that series? I th- he may have been. I mean, of course he was, because it's, if it's from that era, the answer is always Robert Ory. Ory. Totally. Always. Yeah, they kicked it out, and he got the three. One, big, big shot, Bob. Okay, so he uh, makes a makes a grotesque play, hip checks Steve Nash into the scorer's table, leaves Steve Nash, a six-foot uh, MVP player, bloodied, and uh, Amari Stoudemire stands up, like the whole bench kind of um, – reacts Amari Stoudemire stands up and steps over the uh the line by about six inches and David Stern said no he left he left the bench he had we have to suspend him for a game which he did not leave the bench he stepped over the line but clearly the 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 worst call was made by the NBA and it tipped it in favor um of the Spurs, the Spurs easily win game five. It goes back to game six and the Spurs win and they go on to win the NBA finals. Now, I fast so forward, that. do you remember so this? So, so I was in Phoenix at the time, outraged. And there are people down there that still oh, refer yeah. to them as the San Antonio Stearns because it's like David Stern <laughs> intervened when he should not have. They sh- never should have suspended Amari Stoudemire. Now, fast forward, it also is in a series in Phoenix. 
Who's the MVP of the league? Jokic up in Denver? Yeah. Uh, you know the play, right? This is, what, two, two games ago, three games ago, goes into the crowd yeah. and pushes a fan trying to get the ball and kind of protect the player, whatever. You can go look this up. Chris, who was the said fan that he kind of gave a little, a little nudge to? None other than Matt Ishbia, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. He gave a nice little arm bar shove. Fascinating, right? Fascinating. So, yeah, so they, why? You know, For and, sure. And, and, and the, the um, owner, Matt, here, um, I mean, played for uh, Tom Izzo up in Michigan State. I mean, he's a basketball player. And some are calling it a flop. I mean, I don't know that he flopped or he, you know, whatever. But it, But there was physical contact. And you cannot have your players ever. I mean, this is like Ron Artest stuff, right? You cannot have players touching fans or owners or referees or anything. So the NBA looked at it and they had an opportunity to suspend Jokic. They did not. Chris, did they make the right call or should they have suspended him? I think they did make the right call, though I will say I I was wondering because there are the Stearns of the world who just go by the letter of the law. And just on the basis of a sort of zero tolerance outlook, and given that it's an owner, you know, it it looked really bad. One wonders, Jeff, not to bring race into this, but I'll just leave that at the doorstep. What if it were a, a player of another race? And what if it had been like, I, I wonder a bit whether certain things might have made that worse, right? We saw Draymond get suspended early in the series, although I think that one was was maybe as much as anything to extend that series, because I, I think that is a, how Adam Silver looks at some of these sus- suspensions as much as anything. I think he kind of looks at them and says, how does it change the complexion of the series? And he probably should be looking at it like that, frankly. Right. Oh. I mean, outside of really like clear cut problems. And then this one was more, okay. It was a little bit of a kerfuffle. Right. Yeah. And Matt Ishbia was in the wrong as well. Right. There was an exchange. And I think, I, I think it was justifiable, but it does feel like Silver will make decisions based on the series and the business product. I do think he does. And I don't know that that's the wrong thing, if I kind of hear you correctly. Like, I think that's probably saying, hey, if it's not that big of a deal, let's not take let's not sideline a crucial yeah. piece. Because I, I so remember that and I was a look that that series you're referring to back in the early 2000s between San Antonio and Phoenix was one of those classic series like the playoffs we're watching right now are the most fun sometimes because I don't have this like strong rooting interest and you're just kind of a a, an observer and I remember watching that San Antonio series and and feeling so gutted for the Suns and feeling like they'd really been jobbed in that situation right like they they did not get the right call there and they were also it felt like they were the destined team they were the best team that year I still believe that right like I think that they should have won it and that that crucially changed the outcome right so anyway yes Yes. i I don't know where else to go with that but just to say i think silver has this a little bit better figured out um and i think it's just it look these things are all a judgment call but the problem with stern is in saying well his foot literally crossed the line where there's you know as we all know jeff the spirit of the law and the letter of the law the spirit of the law is you, you can't go make an altercation worse. So we've come up with this guideline that says you have to stay in the bench area. Okay, we understand that. To to literally put your toe, your foot over the line does not mean you were enhancing that scenario, 
right? And and whatever. And so I, I I'm happy that I feel like there's more context going into these decisions now. Totally agree. So a lot to react there, Chris. You are correct. The right decision was made. There's no way you suspend it. Now, if a punch is thrown or it's much more egregious, absolutely. Like, I have no issue. But it, it was a physical whatever, but it was the right call because it's like, no, you don't want to impact this series. This series is better with your best players on the court and you're not making excuses for them. But uh, honestly, this kind of goes into the whole question of is the NBA rigged? And when it becomes subjective like this, right? It's like, oh no, we need LeBron James to be in the series. You could then argue again, maybe it's not ri- like rigged is a strong word, right? But it's, it's uh, yeah. back to your earlier point. It, it's influenced, right? There are these minor things that it's like, yeah. well, we, we, uh, you know, we, we, we want the Lakers in there. That's what's best for basketball. And I, I mean, as a non-Laker fan, I would agree. Like a, a, a game seven between LeBron and the Lakers and Steph and Clay and the Warriors. Oh, yeah. Are you watching that game, Chris? Vintage. Of course, I've been watching the whole series as much as I can. I've been watching all the playoffs this year. And and yeah, and the, yeah, of course, of course, because and, it's one of the all-time showdowns between well, the and, two faces of the league. Absolutely. And it's a ratings bonanza. Like that is a huge, huge matchup, right? Because it's like, and again, it's LeBron. How many more chances is LeBron going to have to to chase the ring, right? I mean, he is. I think this might be it. I I agree. I agree. And so all the more reason why this is going game seven. Okay. Here's what I'm going to say, Chris, and then we're going to make predictions. Then we're going to scoot out the door. The predictions. So, so the comment is this. The, uh, I believe game six is tonight, right? Between the Lakers and Warriors. I believe so, yeah. So if the Lakers get it done in six, it tells you that the power of this podcast, that somehow we made it into the pregame meeting with the referees and they say, uh, Chris and Jeff are on to us. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We're not going game seven. But you know as well as I know, it's more likely that the Warriors Dub Nation takes care of business tonight, and we've got an exciting Game Seven. It'll be interesting to see um, what happens. But you know, that's the power of this show, Chris. As we close the door, I want to go and just make real quick predictions. Tell me who's winning each series. I'll do the same, and then again, we're going to be back next week, so we'll have more real-time reactions. To uh, agree with you, this is a really good NBA playoff. Uh, run. So let's start in the West. Who do you got? The Nuggets and the Suns. Just kidding. The Nuggets took care of business. The Nuggets are in. Uh, Tell me who you like. Warriors or Lakers to win it all? Well, to win between that and that series. To win the series, yes. To win that series. Man, that's actually tough because the Lakers I've just been surprised by throughout. Right? Like, they're so weird. And it is... I don't know that I'll go as far as as Vegas Insider Lando here in terms of condemning the aesthetics of the matchup. I think that's been the knock on the Warriors since they started their dynasty, right? Is that it's kind of ugly basketball. It's it's different. It's they you know they really ushered in a new era. So it's it's less that and just more the weirdness of Anthony Davis, who's just not an aesthetically pleasing player in any way. Not that I need like my players to be like handsome, but he's just kind of this lumbering. You know, he's obviously very talented, but I can't say that I get a lot of joy watching him perform. It's He kind of just you, you know uses his size, hits mid-range shots, the occasional three. So I, I don't know that I – I just don't know that I fi- have figured out the Lakers or understand them. I do, though, think that the Warriors 
are pretty much the warriors, right? Like you kind of know what you've got with them. And if they get hot, then you can't beat them. So I'm kind of making a little bit of a Costanza pick because I could see LA closing it up tonight, potentially, um, if they get some of the calls. To your point, you know, if, if it kind of goes their way in a tight game, I could kind of see LA being able to pull it out. But I'm going to go with the Costanza pick and say I think Golden State wins this series. And then you get, I think, well, it's a very intriguing matchup between Denver and Golden State. Really, either one would be interesting, I think. L.A. versus Gold, or LA versus Denver or Golden State. Uh, but I'm going to go with Golden State in that one. Then I'm going Miami in the okay. East. I think that's pretty easy. Um, but then, can we go, let's go a step further. Let's go all the way. I think we're looking at a Boston-Denver finals. And I think Boston wins it in seven. Woo! Boston based who? on everything I've seen. Say again, Boston beats who? Denver. I think that Boston because I don't think either of the the West Coast teams beat Denver. I think Denver's a, is really good because I think Phoenix was good, right? Like I think oh. it that was a pretty intriguing matchup. I was really surprised. I didn't end up finishing the game last night, but the fact that Phoenix lost by twenty five or something was astounding to me because I thought they were much better, more closely matched up than that but i did think denver was pretty clearly better just has more role players and they're good man Jokic is really good and you've got miles porter jr and you've got jamal um murray right um who gave us fits a couple years ago in the bubble and all that they're good they they are very deep um well coached all that so i don't know who's going to beat them even the warriors i i just i wonder a little bit so Denver, Boston, but I think Boston wins because Boston's been to the finals in recent memory. Um, and they're I just think they're a little more battle tested. I think the win they had last night over the Sixers, which that was a really good game, but their experience just clearly came out in the end and they took over. And experienced teams do that, right? Like you can just see it. It's an amazing phenomenon. Um, so that's why I think Boston, I think they get there. Tatum is the real deal. Uh, he, I don't know if you guys, if anybody's watching out there, but good old Donovan Mitchell was there at the game last night to dap up his friend Jason Tatum after. I didn't know they were so close um, as all that. But um, and then that, that's, of course, sure to get the rumor mills working overtime. But yeah, I, I give me Boston in seven. I think that's how it's going to turn out. But it'll be all the basketball from here on out. It's already been really good. It's only going to get better. I'm, I'm really excited this year. This is kind of a vintage year, I think, that we'll remember a lot. Because it's not, I don't necessarily think it's just a clear-cut one dynasty. It's it's intriguing that Golden State's still in it because there is still some of that effect. And they could still win it all, of course, because they're Golden State. But it's not so simple. Um, so if Golden State did win it this year, it still would be kind of interesting. Yep. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, I'm going to make some picks. Um, I, I hate it when we both agree on something because I feel like when Chris and Jeff both say the same thing, <laughs> it pretty much locks it the other way, right? We're going to yes. be wrong. Um, I'm taking the Warriors and I know that means they have to overcome a three, one deficit. They're down three, two, they win tonight. It goes three, three A game seven series. As we all know, anything can happen. You get hot, yeah. right? I mean, you got the favorite who you think would win, but it's like game seven, just weird things happen. So I do like the Warriors. I do think they are going to get hot. Um, Denver's obviously there in the East. Uh, I think Miami, which they're the eighth seed. Are they not, Chris? That's awesome. 
They are. Can I say too, not to cut too much into your time, yep. can we just take a moment of silence for Jimmy Buckets as like a playoff animal, the likes of which it, it's been a long time since I've seen a player like that. He's good throughout the year, but I love the guys that just, it's special. You watch them and they figure something out. Like I'm not necessarily rooting for the heat. I actually find myself pulling from New York a lot because I love Madison Square Garden and the environment, that fan base, but Jimmy Buckets, man, he he's just he, people tune in, like tune in and watch this man because he is an assassin, like he's lethal, and like I love it, I love watching it. Totally agree. And the thing that I think is interesting, and he's done it most of his career. Yeah, he kind of plays below the radar, right? Like yes, like yeah. I mean, he you have to include him in in the conversation for the best player in the league, right? But but you probably put him like seven to ten, right? It's yeah. like. And, and yet, to your point, like he, the the year they won it, it, it was in the bubble though, right? But it's it's still like he was amazing that year. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm with you. Jimmy Butler is an outstanding player, and again, he steps up at the right time. I think I'm going Heat, and then this is the one I'm going to go crazy on. Uh, and I might have dinner. I've got a friend Sandra. I think she's listening, and she's going to owe me dinner over this. She loves James Harden. That's not true. Um, <laughs> she despises James Harden. She's got the Celtics and I've got the Sixers. I think the Sixers, and it's kind of painful to admit because like, I'm not a huge Embiid fan. I'm not a huge Harden fan, but like, I just think something's going to click for them. I feel like Philly's going to take care of it. And then I agree with you. Like, I think the winner of Boston Philly's probably going to get in there. So Philly overtakes Miami probably is what I'm thinking. So I'm going okay. Philly. I, yeah, I'm Denver's the surprise team to me because I, they are clearly a good team, no question. But you would think that the Warriors get in just based on like hype and you know sure. all of those things. So I don't know. I don't. I maybe need another week to pick that. It just going in my head. I think I'd say Philly, Golden State. Uh, but you could be right. I'd go Philly, Denver, something like that. And then who knows, right? I mean. I think James Harden and Joel Embiid is the hardest team to predict. And that is like, I they can get hot and be amazing. And they can also be, I don't want to call them a train wreck because they're not a train wreck, but they can also be like an underperforming, like coulda, shoulda, woulda team. So yeah. I don't know why I'm going with Philly. And I actually, fun fun story, I've, I actually saw Philly play in Salt Lake this year as well as Boston. I went to both of those oh. games. Jazz lost to Philly and the Jazz, if you remember. I mean, they not shocked the world, but it was kind of a shocking win over Boston. Uh, but but played both both teams well. Chris, we do have to shut it down, but you, re you referenced Donovan Mitchell, and I feel like on the next episode, we need to come back and talk Donovan and Rudy because the Jazz made the trade. The Jazz finished yeah. well ahead of... Uh, of, uh, you know, anticipation or uh, expectation, I should say. And um, way to go, Danny, Ryan Smith, the yeah. others in the front office, coach Will Hardy, the youngster, right? I mean, an outstanding yeah. season, tons of assets coming up. And aren't you, let me just, I'll give you the final word quickly, just kind of give me your quick synopsis on this. But aren't you so glad the Jazz are where they are to shed the money that they have to build for oh. the future and to have the exciting team that they do going into the next decade. Oh, Jeff, let's just tee that up as the, the let's start with that in this next podcast. 
because that's look, that's this market. And I think we all want to talk about it. We're seeing a lot of stories about it. But man, it looks better every minute of every day that we made that move, because the reality is, is that and it's not just not just Donovan and Rudy. I mean, Joe Ingles, um, uh, who else are we talking about? Um, I'm, I'm already blanking on his name. But we sent him out to the Nets. Royce O'Neal. Royce O'Neal. You know, n- nothing against any of these guys, but none of them step forward. Not that we expect Royce O'Neal to be the piece that goes somewhere. and But he's a good player, right? And we thought when Kevin Durant was there with Kyrie that that was going to amount to something. But especially Donovan and Rudy to still be mired in the first round, underperforming expectations. You know, it, it does say a lot. And I, I still have love for both of those players. And so I've been a little bit... I don't know, but let's get into that more in the next podcast. I think you got to be sitting pretty, not the least because the the man who's who oversaw and architected this Boston team is is calling the shots with us now, and you can see the team he built over there. I mean, they're phenomenal. Like Boston is the real deal. They, I'm picking them to win it all, and I think that they very well could. So, in addition to the war chest we have, the options we have, I think it's going to be an interesting offseason free agency. I I, I mean. I think we're going to be in a lot better position in the next couple of years than we thought we would, certainly, and hopefully contending in a legitimate way within the next four or five years. Yeah, I agree. Great job, Danny Ainge. Way to, I mean, they looked at that and they said the Jazz, as exciting as they were with Donovan, Rudy, the other players, Quinn Snyder under his leadership, they peaked and they got as far as they were going to go and they they you know, wrote some huge contracts to both of those guys, Rudy and Donovan. And I think they just said, you know what, it's the smart move to blow it up and try again. And and uh, not a lot of people, I mean, trust the process, right? Philadelphia kind of did this where they tanked. The, the beautiful thing is the Jazz have not tanked in any way, but they've traded oh. their, their stars. They're loading up, as you referenced, the war chest. And uh, again, kudos. And it's it's super exciting. And with not as many people doing this it, it's you know outstanding that the jazz are in a good space you look at by comparison like phoenix right phoenix yeah. just kind of they went all in to get kevin durant and i'm surprised that they didn't get to the western conference finals with kevin durant and davin yeah. booker Me too. but it's like what do they do because it's like you would assume they're coming back next year but it's like uh you know what i mean they, they literally it, it's the same thing as minnesota the timberwolves yeah. were like okay we're putting Carl Anthony Towns next to Rudy Gobert. Nobody can stop us. We got these two big seven footers, and you got Rudy punching players up there, right? You got it's <laughs> it's kind of crazy because Bad. it's like, would you rather be the Jazz or the Timberwolves? And a hundred oh, times oh, out of a hundred, it's yeah. the Jazz, right? Yeah. Anyway, Chris, have a good weekend. We got to shut it down. Episode one thirty two in the books. He's Chris. I'm Jeff. We're saying adios. Bye bye. The opinions and predictions on this podcast are right 98.3% of the time.